Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. I am so glad that you could join me today for the 50th episode of the podcast, and I had to get a special guest for y'all. So today on the podcast is Leo Rogers, who kind of made a splash recently. He recently got a sponsorship with Ron's Bikes Ultra Dynamico and Crust Bikes. He had a bicycle magazine cover and a video that went along with it, and uh, Lucas Brunelli just did a video on him as well that's out on the YouTube. So he's been making a big splash. He's been riding bikes a long time. Super inspirational guy. And oh yeah, by the way, he only has one leg and he's probably faster than you are. So definitely give this one a listen. I was so glad I got a chance to check up with him. Stoked to hear about all his success and wishing him all the success in the future. Also, in case you missed last week's episode with Mike Dion, we discussed the upcoming Ride the Divide 10-year anniversary celebration that's happening on August 2nd, and yours truly is going to be hosting it, which I'm obviously super excited for. Um, I checked in with Mike today, and he's got a lot of people signed up, which is really exciting. It's going to be a big party online. You'll be able to ask any questions that you have directly to the cast, crew, the athletes. It should be a good time. Hopefully, you can join us on the live event. If not, it's still going to be available after, so you can just head over to bikesordeath.com. The hyperlink is at the top of the page, and it's RTD10 Party. If you click that, it'll take you right to his website. It's an affiliate link, so Bikes or Death gets a little bit of kickback for every ticket that's purchased, so I appreciate that. So hopefully you'll join me and we can uh, celebrate the film that kind of started it all, at least for me. And we can celebrate the film that had a huge part in where we're at today in bikepacking, especially me. It had a, it definitely had a personal impact on my life and gave me the inspiration and really like put the idea in my head and put a visual to it and be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. People are doing this. Check, check. Got it. How do I do it? Let's go. So that's going to be exciting again. Head over to my website, Bikes or Death. At the top, there's a hyperlink. All right, sounds good. Hope to see everyone online on August 2nd. All right, everyone. Well, it's episode 50. And once again, I'm going to ask that if you can, head over to bikesordeath.com and find a way to support the show. I'm going to keep it short and sweet today. But thank you, everyone who has been there in any way to support the show, whether it's just following along, sending messages, donating when you can, uh, leaving reviews on iTunes, buying some merch, whatever it is. I feel very, very, very fortunate to be here to be able to talk to so many amazing people and bring those conversations to you. And honestly, just to have it's so well received. So for my 50th, mainly, I just want to say thank you uh, to everybody who has supported the show. And I am committed to keeping it going and going and going. So we are just getting started. All right. That's it. Short and sweet today, people. As always, Miles Arbor is going to kick us off with the intro song. So Miles, take it away. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Today, I've got a very special guest, 
Mr. Leo Rogers is on the podcast this evening. What is it, nine o'clock here in Texas, and you're out in Cali about seven seven o'clock ish? Yeah, seven twenty two. There you go. So you recently moved to California, right? Yeah. How long ago did you move out there, and what precipitated that move? You know, just getting put in weird situations to where you know you start looking and venturing off and see if the grass is greener on the other side. And, you know, you just kind of just peek around and just one thing just led to another. All my other stuff I had going on, it was just like the right move to make. All my sponsors are over here. 21 Olympics might be a real thing. Training, I was like, I can get a lot of gravel ride going and just a lot of climbing. So it just all added up and, you know, I just came over here and still stayed in the bike scene, still working on the bike shop, and still pushing, I believe. Yeah. How's it been going out there? You liking it? Yeah, now that I got settled, got me a little spot, filled my place up, and now I can like just create something new in this new environment. It's probably already been created, but I feel like it just needs a new twist on it. I hear you. So you've been in the news like a lot lately. Bicycle Magazine did an article on you. Was it Lucas Bernelli? He did a film on you. And then most recently, you just got a sponsorship with Crust, Ron's Bikes, and Ultra Dynamico. So first off, man, congratulations. It's kind of crazy to be you right now, I would think. Yes, but it's like a weird silence on the other side. You know, as a cyclist, you know, you see the fame from the cyclist standpoint and, you know, just from Instagram. But it's like you get the like the breather, like, OK, not everybody knows me, like a Lance Armstrong or somewhere. I just can't walk to a grocery store. They humble and still climb like you're not there yet. I mean, it all takes the work, man. But I mean, that is exciting. And congratulations on your success and some of the attention that you're getting. I've been following you for a while. Well, for people who don't know, you got one leg. So, and uh, <laughs> I mean, just in case you didn't know, and you're like doing some crazy stuff. And I want to get into that later. But first off, I had to just ask you one question. What's up? So you are on the factory pro recreation team. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, that it, it's all in the name is, you know, that's who I race for. So I ride for. That's what I believe in. I mean, granted, I can work for anybody else. Like I work for Specialized, but I still believe in what I believe in. Like still is real. Still ain't going nowhere. My main thing is getting people on bikes. What you work for, what you represent, you know, you know it's on you. And I just represent bikes. I'm going to be an example, like regardless of who I work for, where I'm at. On the backside, maybe different, but it's still all bikes, and I just want people just to get on bikes. You know? I mean, obviously, like you want people on bikes because it changed your life. So, like, why are you so passionate about getting people on bikes? Well, just because of hearing everybody else's story, like you know, your story kind of changes and your goals can change. Like, you might have this one focus on, you know, mine was like just going for the Olympics, just shooting for the Olympics, 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 and then it after hearing everybody kind of come to me about other stuff. I'm like, wow, there's people out there with diabetes and there's people out there that, you know, have heart problems or this kind of problem. And them just seeing me ride was like a real thing. Just one day riding a bike, like, yeah, I'm, you know, crapping my little conditions. And all I got to do is change my eating habits. Let me just go buy a little bicycle. Just go from there. And just kind of hearing those stories kind of triggered that, you know, I, I was some kind of inspiration. And the main one, I guess, like, man, you're the main reason why I go to work. Just watching you ride is yeah, you just made me get on the bike and just want to ride my bike to work, or you just made me want to go to work. You know, you just stop and, you know, you sound like, like, wow, scratch your head. Like, that was powerful in the sense, like, I helped somebody go to work. And that's the main thing. Like, you know, make, people may think that, you know, I, I get so security. Like, nah, I'm just a normal guy, bro. I got to work just as hard as you. I got to pay 
bills. Like, I don't have no assistance. I'm doing all this by myself, bro. Like, uh-uh. Working for this. Like, I'm really pushing for this. I love it, man. And I love it whenever it works out, too. I mean, you and I are in a similar thing. Like, I got two jobs. I'm self-employed. I'm a single dad. It's always a grind, and you always have to make it happen. It doesn't just happen in an incubator. Like, you got to be out there working for it. You got to. Well, congratulations again. I mean, that was, I think it's cool that Ronnie and everybody like stepped up to support you. Cause like he said on his Instagram post, small company, they're not a big bike shop or whatever, but obviously they believe in you and they were able to throw you a deal. And so that's pretty well, sweet. Well, another thing too is like they're, they're a real company. If you can like interact and relate, not only to the employees and just even a rep, but to the owner of the company and y'all on like relatable terms. Y'all, it just goes a long way. It's just like y'all believe, so start, you know, start coming together and y'all start seeing the same things. And it's like, you want to like push that brand. Like I said, I come from steel frames out the gate. My specialize is a steel frame. <laughs> like that was my first bike. Yeah. And, you know, I just always believe in steel is real. And, you know, just watching what they do, watching what they believe in and actually going out there, ride with them and just seeing where they come from and hearing their story and seeing like how they made it. you like, Dang, that was we had a rough life, bro. Like this shit wasn't that <laughs> easy, dude. <laughs> and just to see their growth is like, wow. All right, I, I dig that. I believe you. Dude. Let's do this. Now it's a partnership. Y'all believe in each other, so it's a good partnership in that way. Yeah. So you know, I feel like you know we all play a position. Guy makes the frames. You got Ultra Roadman doing what he do, and you know I'm just on the other end supporting the the younger crowd, the the new up and coming. The ruthless ones, like, you know, you see all these road bikers, for example, this is the reason why I kind of started what I started and kind of believed in what I believe in. I started off in Tampa. Well, actually, I started in St. Pete. My first kind of ride was a Wednesday ride. And everybody always had their casual rides and all that. But, you know, I was that, that guy that, like, pushed up to the front, kind of messed the ride up. So, you know, we kind of became the ride fuck-ups. You would just fuck up your ride on accident. And just start getting into like road bike rides where we were like fucking the garage. All right, we got to figure this out. And I'm really noticeable. So I wasn't like how I am now. Like I was easy to spot. I'm like, yo, let's just make a ride, bro. Like get some beers. Let's make it a sprint night. So we created this thing called Wolf Pack Sprint Nights, which is start at a rolling start and just downhill. And there was an in spot. It was almost like some fast and furious type thing. But on bikes every Wednesday, run what you brought. And dude, I've never seen like, from the nicest bikes to the turds. I'm talking about thrusters with like a filled bottom bracket on it. Are you serious? Okay. And then you're riding. Oh, shit. This dude's keeping up with me. Okay. He's ready to roll. And they're like beating people that already like invested their time and money into this. And, you know, it just wasn't about what you have. It's about your heart. You know, can you run it? It kind of turned into, you know, when I moved to Tampa, it was already a ride that kind of created. It was more of a casual kind of ride. And there was a few sprints in it, but, you know, just me being me and you know, just working at a bike shop, you know, you ride by the Jimmy John's, there's a Jimmy John's right downtown. You drive by there, you're like, hey, you know what's up? Test ride, you know, just like, oh, that's a nice bike. Or and then you start meeting them during their runs. And I'm like on a customer's bike, I'm off in the kitchen. They like, ah. And then next thing you know, we're like racing in the middle of the street, busy traffic. I'm on a customer's bike. They're on their bike making the run. I was like, bro. I'm going to race you to your stop right now. Let's run. And we're racing. I'll come back with like the biggest smile on my face. Like, yo, bro, your bike's Jimmy John approved. I just dropped like 
<laughs> you good, man. This thing is just ready to roll, bro. <laughs> that's when you know if you can take down Jimmy John's, you know. That's when you know. And that's how it kind of <laughs> got created. They kind of started from that. Just me, like, going out and, like, inviting them to my ride. Like, these guys don't know a lick about riding. They don't know a lick about traffic laws. They don't know nothing. And to be able to give you a ride to where, hey, man, hey, you can do that. You ever heard of an alley cat? All right, well, this is how it's going to be. Like, we're going to ride out to this spot casually, you know, have a beer or two, and then I'll tell you where we're going. And it's a race. <laughs> so an alley cat is you pick the destination and everybody get there as fast as they can, any way they can, well, on their bike. So an alley cat is like a, a race hill, probably on like a Saturday or Sunday, and they kind of give you checkpoints and you the fastest person wins. But, you know, they kind of switch it up. They might add like a second manifest, like your first manifest might have four or five stops. And on that last stop, you get another set of five manifests or another set of five checkpoints in your second manifest. So it kind of switches up, you know, but my ride was just like a practice in a sense. Like, hey, man, this is how it's going to be, bro. It's going to be like pretty much alley cat. Like I might add in another stop or I might even give yeah. them a race to do. And it was just always something different, always just something fun for them to do. And, you know, people kind of look for that kind of ride. Like, nobody wanted to go slow. You know, they, they thought they wanted to go fast and they'll come out and you'll never see them again. It gives you that much more reason to, to talk shit. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, hey, man, you want to talk shit? This is the ride you do it on. You can talk all the fun. Like, you can drink all the beers you want. But you just better run what you run. I'm just letting you know right now. Lose, you are going to hear. Man, that's one thing I want to promote in the cycling industry is like breaking down those barriers and breaking down these walls of you got to be this way, you got to ride this kind of bike, you got to look this way, you got to wear these kind of clothes. I like what you do in terms of like you cross all the barriers, you fixing your tall bike, your road bike, your track bike, your gravel bike, your you know, whatever. Uh, that's what I'm all about is like as a sport, we've gotten too clicky. So, all right, let's talk about how you lost your leg. When did that happen and how did it happen? Uh, just like I am with bikes. I was, you know, into it like motorcycles and stuff like that. So just me out there being young and dumb, doing wheelies and stuff like that. That you see now, all these kids are doing wheelies. Just came down from a wheelie and got into a tank slapper. And uh, it just pulled me to the right and I just couldn't control it. And I hit a guardrail doing like a hundred and something, maybe like a buck 20 and just flew, flew into a canal. It was like really brackish. And uh, I guess when I hit the uh, the guardrail, I hit a main artery. So that was kind of the main reason why they had to, you know, take it all the way up to the hip. My first company I started was a motorcycle company and I sold uh, sport bikes. I read that your first bike was a Gypsum 1000. Is that right? Uh, my first motorcycle was a Kawasaki ZX11. Which is 1,100 cc's. And then my first car was a Corvette. So my dad had all these crazy ass vehicles. Yeah, my driving record sucked really early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shared a similar passion. I was into drag racing. You know, my first vehicle was a, you know, a Camaro. Then it was Mustang, Mustang, doing drag racing, street racing. Then I got into motorcycles and was stunning with all my, you know, all the people. And when I had my first daughter, that's when I sold all my bikes. I just yeah. had too many people that were like dying or, I mean, I have another friend that lost his leg, you know. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a reality that if you play that game, it can bite you. Yeah, that's what comes with when I got my Jigsaw 1000. It was just like, oh, wow, I don't have to pop the clutch. I can just do a wheelie and just, like, go with it. Oh, this is nice. And then I started, you know, 
everybody started like stop riding and you know stop going you know hitting the twisties and stuff like that because that was my main thing i liked going in and getting in the twisties and seeing like, everybody stop riding just because you know stuff like that i started stunting i started getting into it i'm like oh let me see if i can high chair oh i started sketching on the side of the bike i'm like oh okay let me see if i could if i could do a little can can action let me stand up and go around the turns People who don't ride motorcycles don't understand that when you go like 120 on a motorcycle, it feels like you're going 60 in a car. You don't feel it. Yeah, you don't. It's like you have to go that fast in order to feel like a normal. Right, right. And so like when you say I crashed at 120, people are like, oh, man, he's going. No, I mean, it's just like it feels because it's not much weight. You've got 500 pounds with a thousand cc's. Got more horsepower than your Honda Civic, damn there. Right, exactly. Way more than your Honda fucking Civic. Okay, well, obviously it sucks. You lost your leg, but you, you become like an inspirational character. You like you're full of life. You're, I mean, you're all the things, right? Like you're not taking your leg as an excuse. You're you're moving forward. So, like, how long did it take between fuck? I lost my leg to getting back on a bicycle. I guess. It definitely took a few years. Took that whole like rebuilding process of trying to figure out who I am. I think, you know, after my accident, because I crashed so much. I wrecked that bike so much, dude. I couldn't even tell you how many times I wrecked that 1000. Like it had a 1000 motor in it and I wrecked it like two weeks after I bought the damn thing. Had to wait a year to fix it up. Then it had like a 750 motor in it. Blew that up. Then I got it like another 1000 motor. So it lived this life so many times and I blew it up. I'm like, okay, this is like problem after problem, you know, and I had a vehicle. And I was just like, okay, just after my accident, like, dang, I wrecked it again. Now look what I did to myself. Like, ah, you know, it just if you ride bikes, especially as a kid, you know, you, you know, BMX, you know, you fall and you get back up, you just had that frustrating day. Like you just can't land that trick. You're just so mad with yourself until you like actually go out there and like do it. You know, I just had one of them moments and I was like, you know, I'm going to go to school for it. So um, I went to MMI, got certified in Suzuki and Yamaha, you know, a little small engine mechanic. Definitely RC cars helped me kind of push that drive again, but I just went at it again and just went for it. Just wanted to learn motors and just understand the motorcycle and just do something with myself, get something under my belt. Did you ride a motorcycle after your wreck? <laughs> so that's yeah, another funny story. So the group of people that I used to hang out with, you know, they all had, you know, 1000s and shit like that. But it was a group, so they would all just leave their key in the bike. I'm like, what? No, fuck, he's not going to do that around me. So I would just take their bike, dude, and just take it around the block. And then it got, they caught wind of it, of me, like, taking the bike. And then they'll see me like, what the fuck? You know, I had to still see if I had it. You know, a few times I popped a few wheelies, but I would just take it around the block just to, you know, just to get that little, what they call a little gas off your chest, you know, just to get that little urge out. I'm trying to remember, it's been a long time. So left hand is your clutch, right hand is your accelerator, right? You had to clutch with your right hand and then you had to pull up with your left. Either that or you know how you can shift without clutching. Right. So that's what I would do. I would just blurp it a little bit and just, you know, just go about my business. Yeah. So funny thing with that, when I was uh, in school, there was a dino class. I was like, what? There's a dino? Oh, hell yeah, I'm going to do dino class. So I guess they already experienced that or they had a person that really couldn't shift. So they had this stick that they would make you use. I'm like, come on, you can't make me use a stick. I can get way better numbers if you let me reach down and shift, bro. It's like, nah, nah, you ain't no cheating in this class. You're going to use this stick. So that's how it kind of came about. I'm like, all right, yeah, I did it. Like I did it with a little friggin' 
a little prosthetic on. I did a little, a little stick. It was like, it was cool. Graduated, you know, 3.5. It was just awesome just getting that, that experience of just, you know, getting a certificate and learning how to wrench and just overcoming that little fear. That was like a, a little jump. Just having like car problems and, you know, you know, women don't want you, your hands all dirty. You smell like battery and acid, stuff like that. Oh, like, oh, this sucks. But that's what kind of led me into uh, just bikes and stuff like that. What was your relationship or history with bikes before your accident? Not not motorcycles, but bicycles. Oh, dude, I was I used to ride to middle school. I was that kid that would just just do tricks in the in the neighborhood. Yeah, I was like back in the Flatland era. Oh, the Flatland stuff. I was I wasn't like too in depth into it. Like I was like just past that era, but I was getting into it because all I had was a front brake. So you learn how to do tricks from that. I, like when that era just faded, I was just getting into it. And then that's when you see like, you know, urban BMX coming out, stuff like that. Was that like around 2000-ish? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say 2000. Yeah. I filmed back in the day because I grew up with a skateboard background. And so we were always making skate videos with the fisheye and everything like that. Yeah. But I got into bikes and I made a video for an X Games guy that was an X Game uh, Flatlander. I don't remember his name right now, but I got into that scene a little bit myself. All right. So after your accident, what was the thing that got you into bikes? Like, do you even remember what brought you back from the motorcycle to the bicycle? So I had this dog that used to just drag me. Like I would try to walk him and he would just then knock my shoulder out, bro. So I was like, man, I got to run this dog some kind of way. And just when I was in school, I would just get on my bike and uh, just go for a little ride and you know let him pull me. I'm like, I think I can ride this bike again. Like, So I started working the whole like one pedal thing. I'm like, I wonder how I can like lift it up to where I can like bring it back around again. So I asked a few people in school and uh, there's one chick that was going there. She's like, oh yeah, it's easy. You just get the pedals in the shoes. Let's just go to like a, a bike shop. They, they, they got it. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just wait till I... The pedal in the shoe. I yeah, like, <laughs> like, I didn't even think nothing of it. You know, here I am a freaking mechanic. I'm like, oh wow, I'm so dumbfounded. <laughs> like all I need is a pedal in a shoe and I'm good. And it kind of led to that. I'm like, okay. After I graduated, so that's, like that. I mean, you're talking about getting clipped in, right? Right. She was telling my clip the stones. I'm like, okay. So I go to a shoe store and get some. I'm like, oh, this is it. Like I was set free, and here I am. Then I was just riding around. And then I just got like some better shoes, another bike, and next thing you know, here I'm like buying and selling bikes, and my house's inventory of bike parts and just <laughs> bikes. That I, you know, I would just buy and sell off of Craigslist. I'll buy them, fix them up. And just sell them. I was like the South Side mechanic. <laughs> That's what it kind of led to, dude. It's man, it's a weird thing, man. When the bike bug bites you, it like really gets you. And I don't know what it is. Like to me, I feel like it's almost like the right speed to be experiencing the world, to getting where we need to go, to getting the endorphins when we need when we get there, the vitamin D, like all you know, it's like Whenever you get synced up with bikes and you're just into it, the world just makes a lot more sense, you know? I don't know if you feel that way. <laughs> no, it, it just does, man. Just, I mean, I'm using this thing as my prosthetic, as my means of transportation, you know, as my training tool. This is everything. This is representation of, like, what you could do after the fact of, of anything, getting into any sport. But, you know, I just happened to choose cycling again, man. And this is, you know, that's what... I was brought up on that's all I know. I'm just going to continue with it. So you're running a bike with two legs and with one leg. 
how hard is it to ride a bike with one leg compared to two legs? Like, put it in perspective for me. It is difficult, and it's, like, so much more challenging. I, don't, I just lose my breath. I just get so tired so quick. I'm like, Ugh. all right, well, I'm not going to get dropped. <laughs> I'm not going to get lost. Like, no, nah, not today. Like, I got to keep going. Like, you just got to keep going. You just tell yourself, like, hey, bro, hey, what's it going to be? You ride by yourself or, or you just hold on? And you just tell yourself, just hold on, bro. This is a long train for the next stop, man. So you just got to hold on. Only option is you get stronger. That's it. That's it. That's all I can do. What about handling? You know, I mean, in terms of like leaning and stuff, how tricky is that? Uh, that's actually not too bad. Like, I feel like my left turns are way better now. I love going to like crits that have a lot of left-hand turns because uh-huh. I don't have a crank arm over there. There's no pedal spray. The, the chicken line on my bike is like retarded on the left side. I just try to just just die, just dive into it. Yeah. Dude. I'm trying to like disappear. Well, you know that for motorcycles too. It's like, you know, as far as you lean, you know. Yeah, man. I got to bend speeds it, man. Put the elbow down. I've converted so much from, you know, riding and racing motorcycles to, you know, leaning in on a bike. You know, there's a lot of transparency there. Yeah. So I think that's probably where I, I, I get a little bit of the cheat code at. <laughs> you know, just riding motorcycles. <laughs> well, it's not cheat. It's just hey, more experience. You know, you got to use what you got and to your advantage. That's it. Hey, so I don't. It's just cool looking at your bike without a left crank arm. You know, it just looks so right. It would look weird if you had a crank just like going like that. You know, it just it wouldn't look right. Is it like complicated? I mean, I don't, I'm not a mechanic, so how does that go down? If it's a square taper, I just wouldn't put the left side on. Okay, yeah. But if it's like an Omnium or some kind of SRAM, for example, I, I had some campy super record. I'm like, bro, I can't cut super record, bro. Like, I, I just, I just not going to do it. So I bought a, a cheaper left crank arm that was aluminum, and I just chopped it, just lined it on up. There oh, we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. So you're putting it on, but you're cutting the arm off. So, okay. That's it. Just chopping it smooth. And then if I wanted to, I would just, like I had on my Bombora, I had somebody like polish it and had it anodized and stuff like that. But I would just leave it chopped just because, like, just to let you know that, yeah, it's cut. Yeah, I cut it. I like it. Yeah, ain't nothing fancy about this, baby. (laughs) All out bra. So after your wreck, you got into cycling. And then what led up to the Paralympics? It was like a little Facebook page. This guy named Tony Robinson or Tony Yeah, I think his name Robinson. Black dude. He did, like, hand cycling. He was like, yeah, man, this is a... A day back in, you know, just getting back on the saddle on a normal bike, and taking a full spin. Like, damn, that's dope. Like, cause he had, you know, one leg missing too. Like, damn, how do you get into that? Like, oh, just talk to this coach, and you know, he'll link you up with events that you can go to. I'm like, oh, okay. So linked up with that para coach, and he hit me back with like a information on dates and how to least try it for. I'm like, all right, so I did it, and it was like literally like I only had a month to get ready for. This is like 2015, 2016. I don't have like a month to like get ready. I'm like, oh shit. So I had to find a bike, which was that specialized I had. Room, like everything, like everything was all out of pocket. I'm like, wow, I almost spent like two grand, three grand in, in just just that quick. But you know, like help that with GoFundMe and stuff like that. I just did it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you believed in it. I don't even know, man. Like, what kind of opportunities? Is that? I guess just like people 
finding out about you and like putting you on a map and like making a stamp on something, you felt like you could go and do something. Yeah. And you know, that was what it was. And then, you know, I started getting into it and you can just see, like, I see it was definitely a, such a white sport, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to change this shit. Like, you yeah. know, say, you know, like, I get what you're saying. And, you know, but he was, you know, just being real and honest, like, yeah, man, just, it's, it's just a white sport. This is how it is, man. Like, I'm sorry. You're a black male. <laughs> you know, I just got to go with it. And, you know, I was just like, I'm going to go at it at a different angle. So I told myself, like, what if I don't make Japan? What are you going to do next? Like, what are you going to do with yourself? You know, I got to figure out something. Leading my rise and just believing in what I believe in and just pushing at it, getting people on bikes. And then just, I'm all about, like, full sin. <laughs> Well, yeah, kind of, kind of. But listen, man, like you're saying that, but you had two things going on, right? Like you were working on the group rides and, you know, building that at the same time you were doing the track ride and the para. That's just called smart business. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. That's the way I look I at was, it. You know, I was doing out of cats as well. And, you know, I would win a few of them. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, get first place out of town, you know, a second or a third, but. I definitely get top ten. That's for sure. Like you ain't just gonna just just drop me, bro. Like it ain't going down like that. Yeah, I got a few DFLs, you know, but it comes with the territory. It happens. It happens. It happens. So my podcast, I specialize. You know, we talk a lot about bike packing, the ultra endurance stuff. You know, the track world is a little bit outside my purview. So like, you'll have to probably fill in some details there. Picture that long ride you had mapped out in your head, and you just compact it into like two minutes you just like give it everything you have and just leave it on the track and then on top of that you have to do it again it's like you have to do that long ass ride you did but in that compact of a time and just just give it your all whatever you have and then some like you got to give it more okay that's what you got you got even more so it's just like you exert yourself so much and you know it's just almost like riding road bikes it's like Okay, I'm tired, but that's it. Where's the fun? Where's the enjoyment? I just beat myself up, <laughs> especially to come home with nothing sometimes, too. It's like, oh, hell no. Wasn't going to fly. So I read that you have the world record in the 200-meter TT. Just for, like, to talk about the para track events, like, tell me about that one event. It was interesting. So how it came about, it was like this guy, he was, like, you know, really cool, like, helped me out. He's like, yo. You should try out for this, man. Like, you're more of a sprinter. Nobody's, like, never attempted in your class this year because there ain't nobody in your class that wants to try it. Like, they're not even that fast on the start. But you got a good start. Like, you should try. I think you can get a good time. And there's a time that you have to meet. Like, you have to meet a certain time in order to, like, say you did it. You just show you how to do it. You just learn how to, like, swoop in and do it. And I practiced it a few times. I was just so nervous on my setup and just everything, like, all right, I'm just going to try it on this and just going to go. I actually got the time, like, and I beat it, like, by that. And then some, like, oh, okay. If I did it on, like, just some rink-a-dink, old-school, almost NJS setup, <laughs> I know if I had, like, some cool arrow things, like, I'll be a threat. That was cool. Like, you know, and to know, like, I had that much more in me, it was like, okay. Uh, I, I know I know where I'm at. I just need the equipment. They have way more funding than me. I can't beat them on that. Big bank, take a little bank, but uh, just know when I come back, I'm going to make sure I come back strong. The other thing about that is, like, you're not competing against other people with only one leg, right? Yeah, it was 
it was kind of weird how they kind of standardized the categories, but you know, there's a guy that just has one arm and how is he even in this group? Yo, he <laughs> needs to move up to like some faster people. You know? Right. Like there has to be a limit to where like, okay, you're, you're that fast. Like, okay, you just need to move up. It needs to be like categorized instead of like you stay in that category just because of your disability. But, you know, I mean, that's what makes you work harder. That's what makes you push harder is because you keep getting beat. You keep getting whooped. Just drug. All right, I gotta go back to the drawing board here. Like, they just blew my doors off. <laughs> so I need to go, like, revamp and just, you know, see what I'm, all, what I'm doing wrong. No excuses, man. I love it. You just fucking, this is what it is, and this is what I gotta do. That's all it is. So Lucas Brunelli just came out with a film that dropped, like, a month ago, right? And it damn near gave me a little bit of a panic attack watching you ride through traffic. I do everything I can to avoid cars, and you're on a fucking tall bike. You're on all kinds of bikes. You're getting hit by cars. You're hopping up. You're just going like, what the fuck is that? That's just craziness, man. I mean, that's the side that a lot of people don't see. Like, you got to think about, like, your your L.A. carriers, your, your N.Y. carriers, that, you know, that message, man. Like, this is what they go through every day. Right. Like, that's their job, to have somebody, like, represent that. And, you know, this is this is your job. And. Like, yo, he's out there representing the fixie people that, you know, out there messaging. You know, I enjoy Alley Cast too. I enjoy that rush. So, you know, I'm not finna sugarcoat it. Like, I, I do my roadie rides, but that's like not my style. I'd rather ride my fixie and, like, you know, really like bomb it and, like, really crush it. But, you know, I do have my professionalism at the same time. But on the other hand, like, if you catch me on a normal, bro, I might just, you might just see me roll through a light or two, man. Like, I'm sorry, but nobody told you to follow me anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Nobody told you to follow me, dude. I'm going home. I'm going here. Like, that's the direction I'm going. That's one thing I really love about you is you're not confined to that one box, you know. Like, you don't put on this hat, and now I'm a mountain biker. You have all the hats and you just fucking wear them, you know, whenever you feel like it. And I think we need more of that. I think we need more of it as a society. People just get put in boxes, you know. I think we need more of it as cycling. Fuck it. Like, I don't want, like, I've road rid, I've mountain bike, whatever. It's all fun, right? Like, why am I going to say, oh, I only want to do this. This is all I want to do. So I'm all about breaking down those ideological views of what a cyclist should look like. So... Couple questions. The tall bike, is it a fixie? Yeah. No brakes. Fucking A, dude. Hey. So tell me about that tall bike. So if if anyone is listening that hasn't seen the video, go watch Lucas Brunelli's video. You'll see Leo riding through downtown traffic on a fixie tall bike with reckless abandon. So how that came about, it was one day we were coming back from a Tuesday ride, so I stayed in a different county. So we would be a group of us. So I worked in one county, so they knew that, well, if Leo rode over the bridge, I'm going to ride over to and I'll ride back with him. You know, it was just that one day on a Tuesday, casual ride. You know, we were a little, we had a few drinks in us. So, we know, my homie had his scooter with his, uh, his all-city bit block on the back of it. He took his wheels off and he kind of just put the frame there so it don't drag the ground. Kind of like following him. So we're using him as a draft. It got to a point to where he was like, we're keeping up with him, but. Now we're like holding on to a scooter, but now we're like pushing it faster. <laughs> so here, his little fucking little Yamaha Zuma that's barely doing 30 is like doing like 34, 35. 
Cause I'm like, I got, the, I got the bombora all the way down to the ten cog. I'm like, we just push, just push, and the homies they're on like big here, and they're like running big ratios. So they're like pushing him, and then there's another guy pushing him. It was literally a train of this push, and it, it just became like such a train that it just got so fast, and I just held on, kind of like pulled myself around to the side. But I guess the side, his rear stays were hanging out so far that it threw the whole drive side of my wheel. Like, it just snatched the whole drive side of my bumper. That's the reason why I got purple hoops, <laughs> for one. And that's the reason why the tall bike got good, because I bit the chain saves. And then they had another friend that had an all-city bit block. And I think the dropouts were bad on it. I gave the dude the two frames. I'm like, hey, man, just put the best one on the bottom. If you feel like you can fix this one, cool. If not, just... Put that one, just fix the dropout. So fix that one and got it all welded up. Nice. They got me some purple hoops. <laughs> Relace. Next thing you know, we got a tall bike. How often do you wreck? Like you fucking hit that car. Like that, you know what I'm talking about the video. You hit the car or the car hit you, whatever you want to say. And you slid across the hood and then you like hop up, save the bike, save the, you hop up. And you're laughing like you had an adrenaline rush. Crashing for you is like no big deal, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's a normal too, especially when you go to Miami. It's it's a real thing. The Miami traffic's no joke. How often do you wreck? I don't wreck that often, but okay. usually when I do wreck, I know it was probably my fault because I probably came in it wrong or something. So I'm like, oh, all right, that was my fault. All right, but I can't stop here. I got to keep going. <laughs> do you have fear? Uh, of course I do. I always got a little bit of fear. It's probably why I get up and keep rolling, because I got that much fear in me. Fear of what, though, I guess is a question. I'm talking about fear of when you're on your bike, do you feel fear? Uh, Maybe if I had a girl and I knew that I know I had to go home, yeah, I'd probably be fearing her. Or just hearing my mom's voice after I wreck, I'm like, ah, I don't want to hear that one. <laughs> like, just family. I think about family a lot. I think about my kids. Just having to go home. Even work, just knowing that I'm I'm held that accountable for stuff. I'm like, uh, I need to get home. Just because I got to go to work. Uh, yeah, out of there. So this my fear just gets like, just gone. Like, because I just have so much to do the next day. And there's been times, dude, I hit a wall, dude. Like, I went to work, like, bleeding out my eyebrow. My boss was like, dude, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. I'm all right. I got, I got the, I got the, the glue in it, man. I got the glue in it. It's like, but your wrist is broke. Your eyelashes all like leaking. I'm like, all right. Well, all the right. fucking hospital <laughs> costs money. That's the problem with the hospital, dude. It does, man. I mean, if you could put glue in it, it's some duct tape. I feel like it's fine. You know, like it'll heal eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Like quick concussion test. Your your pupils are good. You know who your friends are. All right, we're rolling it. And the bike's good. Oh, I love this quote. In the Lucas Bernelli film, you said, don't be doing nothing stupid out here. Get your life together. Go ride a bike. It might actually make you want to be something. That was crazy, man. Like, you just, like, rolled up to a gas station and were, like, giving these guys uh, some advice. Is that, like, normal? Oh, yeah. That's part of my ride. So tell me about that part of your ride. I mean, like, most people are not that bold. You know, I see somebody, I'm like, oh, don't. I'm just like, okay, you know. But you're just like, hey, man, do fucking something. You get that a lot. Like some people are like just say something like out of the norm. Like, well, what are you doing? Like, let me let me tell you something. Let me give you a message. 
And sometimes you just got to just, you know, hit people with a message every now and again. But, you know, usually I'll get some kind of like little speech before my ride or, you know, after my ride, especially if it's like an important day, give, you know, shout outs to the, you know, the whoever. It could be like the shyest person in the ride. It could be their birthday. And I'm like, yo, it's their birthday. You know, let's break them in. And let's just explain some stuff to people. Let's, let's enlighten people. Let's get people these a good message, a good feeling about themselves. I love it, man. What is next for you? Like, I don't know. You've had a lot of a lot of stuff going down recently, it seems like. I know you've been working at it a long time, but like, do you have a plan? Like, what's next? You got a big project or what? I think the next project for me will be like, you know, just trying to get used to the area, doing a few more rides, getting out doing rides. I think now I want to like start visiting places, visiting rides in a sense just going to other people's rides, even little ride outs. Just show my face. Just, you know, go travel a little bit whenever I can. All these Instagram famous people like that you see on Instagram, like RD Blocks, Slumworm, just Lottie Dottie, just all those guys like I watch, like I want to go ride with them. Like what if I can go ride with them, but also ride with, you know, the younger crowd, you know, you know, people that, that have been reaching out to me like, yo man, I want to ride with you. Like, let's just go for a ride. And start reaching out to them and just giving back. Feel like I have that opportunity to do Fucking it. Hey, dude, I want to ride with you. You want to ride with all those Instagram famous people? I want to ride with you now. <laughs> yeah, man, that's all I want to do now, man. Just you know, just inspire people and show you, like, yo, man, there's people, you know, let's make this thing happen. Let's go, let's go change some lives, and hopefully they'll uh, just carry on. In closing, tell me your favorite crust bike with your favorite Ultra Dynamico tires since they just sponsored you. Let's give them a shout out proper, right? Yeah, so I definitely got to say my Bombora's in my favorite by far, but I'm getting ready to build up a new lightning bolt uh, with some Ultra Dynamicos, so I'm really excited about that. That's probably going to be my favorite just because it's the folding one. So I love the travel. I love riding fix. Yeah, being able to have something compact like that and just have that kind of even more suppleness. I think that's probably going to be my new bay. As of right now, I just I just love my bomb bore. Like, it's it's such a look. It rides so good. I can't lose. I just want to just ride for, like, days. I even got an escape goal that I'm going to uh, single speed. So that's going to be, like, a little dirt jumper in a sense. So even though it's, you know, full rigid, that's my thing. But uh, I'm going to try to shred it out here at Sheep Hill and, you know, try to get into it, run a little dropper seat post on it. What about a uh, Leo Rogers crust bike, like a you know your own bike? That should be coming soon. We'll see what we can do. Maybe make a collab with something and you know make something. Yeah, happen. it's like the shoes, man. It's like you got a Jordan or whatever. You know, we need a Leo Rogers bike. You know, I think it. I think it'll happen. If it does, we can talk about it. All right, man. Well, listen. Uh, anything else? Man, I just want to say thank you to all my sponsors. Definitely that uh, helping me make this happen. Definitely crust. Of course, Ultra Romance and the Dynamical Tires of his. Chris King, Paul, Topo, man, they all been good. Ambros, even Pit Viper, they've been like looking out. Um, even got some stuff from Vans, so hope I can do some stuff with Vans. That was kind of dope for them to kind of look out for me. Team Dream Team, can't forget the sleepers. They made cool kits, cool gear, LA style. I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm just appreciative of them guys. Definitely my family, for sure. Probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fam. Just the bike industry, man. Just, you know, just having them help me uh, represent them in a sense and, you know, push forward. And they believe in me. So I appreciate that. You're a great representative, man. I mean, this, you know, you're, you're a dad. 
you're a cyclist, you're a mechanic. I mean, you're, you're fucking creating community, you know, you're inspiring people to get out there and ride their bike. You got fucking one leg and you're out there doing more things than most Americans, right? Like, let's be real about that, you know? So you're the real deal, man. You're, you're a real inspiration and you chose to be this way and you've worked hard to be there. I appreciate you. A lot of the community does. So we're happy to have you, at least at least from where I'm standing. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, listen, man, take good care. Uh, all the best in the future. And hopefully we'll chat again soon. Most uh, I'm sure you've got l- lots to talk about it. You're only going to start, man. I can tell, like, man, it's like a tip of an iceberg. You only hit the tip. There's a whole iceberg underneath there. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm almost at a climax. But, you know, it's just another mountain to climb right after that, man. So. That's how where I feel like I'm at right now. See, that's what I always say, man. I don't I don't think here's the thing, like I don't ever think you get off the mountain. You're either going up the mountain or down the mountain, but you're never off the mountain because this is how life goes, right? You're always going like this. It doesn't matter how much fame, how much money, how much whatever, like life is always a fucking mountain. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can just fucking like realize, okay, I'm climbing a mountain, and it's gonna be hard, and it's gonna be tough. But I got to work it and then I get to fucking descend the mountain. I get to do all the fun shit, you know, so that's just life. That's it. But you, you got it, man. All right, man. Well, go be a dad and, uh, and and congrats on everything. I appreciate the chat. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. And thank you for the interview. All right. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here. 50 episodes in the can. I can't believe it. I don't know what my expectations were, but I just kept pumping them out and y'all kept supporting me. Again, I'm so, so grateful to everybody for all the support. Thanks for being there. It would be silly if I was just talking into a mic and nobody was listening. I'd be a crazy person. So y'all being there makes everything less crazy. Next week's episode is going to be Another good one, I think. My buddy, Louis Sador, that hosts the Overland Archive podcast, hit me up and said, hey, man, you want to do a collab? And of course, I said, yeah. We both co-hosted the show, and we're going to both release it next week. This was the first time that I was just chatting with another podcaster, and we really kind of just had a nice palaver, and there was a nice flow to it, I think. So yeah, looking forward to that one hitting the airwaves next week. But until then, you know what to do. Actually, just kidding. Psych! I have an idea. Going forward, I thought it would be really neat if listeners sent in their own voice recordings and did the outro for Bikes or Death. So if you've been listening along, you know at the end I always say, go ride your damn bike, and it's preceded by something silly, something inspirational, just whatever I think of off the cuff. But I think I've had my time in the sun, and I would like to open that up to listeners. So if you would like to be the person that closes out the Bikes or Death podcast, all you got to do is record your outro, whatever you want to say, maybe say who you are, where you're from, give your little blurb, you can say, hey, this is Patrick Farnsworth from College Station, Texas, blah, 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 whatever, right? So have some fun with it. You can play music, whatever you want to do. Let's have fun. I want to get you guys involved, give you a chance to say ride your damn bike. All right, yeah. So if you want to get those in, send them over to me via email, bikes at bikesordeath.com. And just listen to the show to see if your outro is the one that I select. You've heard me for over a year tell you to go ride your damn bike. And now I want to hear from you. So get them into me. And maybe the next time you listen to the podcast, it'll be your voice saying, now go ride your damn bike. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love
claws. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Bikes.